Great. Well, uh, if you've got uh, a Bible in arm's reach or right with you, uh, you could turn up page uh, 1047, uh, which is Luke 14, uh, the part of the Bible that we're looking at today together, uh, just uh, for about 25 minutes or so, I trust. <laughs> That's what it should be anyway. Uh, yeah, so we'll, we've already heard and, and seen the story taken straight from the Bible on uh, put into that animation, which kind of interesting started in the Middle East and it seemed to end up in, in Bollywood somehow. You know, it was very, it was great, wasn't it? What you call it, a really eclectic um, <laughs> uh, video. Anyway, meals, meals, oh, they're important, aren't they? They're really important in, in our culture, actually. I don't suppose you can find many cultures anywhere in the world where, where sharing a meal is not something really important. It matters. It, it, it's, something, it, it's something for special occasions, you know, a birthday or an anniversary or, or some big family event. You know, Americans and Canadians and others enjoy Thanksgiving at the end of October, you know, where there's a meal at the heart of it. We have Christmas meals together and so on. Um, they, 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 they're really important. Always uh, or usually they're about connecting with people. You know, you're finding out about other people. You know, how, how do you get to know someone? You might, you know, go out and have a meal with them, perhaps if you're, you're interested in getting to know them better. Uh, and so on. Won't go, to, you know, one thing and leads to another, and so on. Uh, you want to uh, do that, or, or, or in celebrating together, or sometimes it's just about being completely relaxed in one another's company. It's something very good in there, being about with your family or with your close friends, or you know, whoever kind of you can just feel comfortable in, and you know, you can just eat together. They're about much more than feeding, aren't they? Just, you know, getting food into our mouths and down into our stomach. Now, Jesus spent a lot of time with people. We read about that in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. Uh, and he often had meals with them. Uh, in fact, there were some, some of our Thursday reflections last year. We focused on a number of the different meals Jesus shared with people. If you're interested in coming along on a Thursday, 12 o'clock, we spend about half an hour in different things reflecting and then having a soup and roll together. But, but yeah, we were looking at that then. And those meals with Jesus were times for conversation. They were times where all kinds of incidents sometimes occurred, as you, you may recall. There are times when he told stories, times when he taught people, times when people would argue with him. And this is one of these meals. When Jesus told the story we had on the, uh, the DVD, it was in the context of a meal he was sharing with some others. And I want us just to read a few verses uh, uh, from Luke 14 to see what was it like to have been at one of these meals. What would it have been like? Would you like to have been there? Well, you can if you read Luke 14. I just want to read a few verses. We won't read the, the story because that's, we've already seen it. So it's on, verse 1. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. Then look at verse 7. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table... He told them this parable. This isn't the one we're having now. Uh, he told them, when someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. And so on. And then look at verse 12. At the same meal now, then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, 
Do not invite your friends, your brothers or relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet, and that's the story that we just saw on the DVD with the Bollywood music and all of that. That wasn't in Jesus' story, obviously. That was just an interpretation. So what do we learn? Well, first of all, this is a meal in the house of a prominent Pharisee, verse 1. A prominent Pharisee. A religious man. The Pharisees were religious people in Israel at the time. They were enthusiastic. They were very passionate for God. Their big deal was that they wanted the people to be ready for God to do something. They were expecting God to to break in in a new way in their time, in their history. They were expecting that. They got that from the Old Testament prophets. And their mission, their passion was to be ready for that. And to get everybody else ready for that so that God could come and do his thing that he promised to do. And that's uh, how would they get people ready? Well, by being religiously very pure with regulations and also with passion. I suppose they were kind of fundamentalists, if you like, but without all the fighting and the violence. You know, they were, they were zealous, passionate, uh, mainly men who, who, who wanted the people to really take God seriously and be ready for him. And one of these was prominent, a leader among them, and he's hosting the dinner, and that's where Jesus is as we come into the story. And it says in verse 1 that the people at the meal are carefully watching Jesus. What kind of atmosphere is that at that meal? Can't be that relaxed, I wouldn't imagine. Everyone's kind of carefully watching. And there's an incident which we won't go into now, but uh, where something happens, as often did in these meals. But uh, uh, during that time or after it, Luke tells us in verse 7, when Jesus noticed how the guests were picking the best seats... Again, you know, it's all a bit of a tense meal, this, isn't it? Everyone's kind of looking around. Because there, there was a custom that if you were in a certain place, you had more status. And so people think, well, who's there? Can I get there? You know, it's like going to a wedding. You know, you sneak in before you look at the place tables. And have you ever thought, I wonder if I could move my place mat over here. And, you know, then I could sit with someone I know. Or It's that kind of atmosphere uh, in, in the meal. So, you know, not, not necessarily a particularly easy or a relaxing time. And, and Jesus doesn't exactly help it because he makes this comment. He, he not only notices people thinking, oh, who's there? Or, who's there? He, he actually draws attention to it by saying, I see you're all looking at, you know, who's going to sit. Now, when you invite, he says to the host, when you invite people to a meal, you know, just be careful about uh, how, you, how you invite people. Actually, he says, don't sit in the best seats uh, because you might get knocked back. Better to sit and, and be brought up. So you can see the atmosphere. See what's going on? And then in verse 12, Jesus says to his hosts, actually, you should invite people who can't ask you back. You should be inviting the poor and the crippled, the lame and the blind. Notice those four categories. They're going to come up later. Then you'll be blessed, verse 14. You will be blessed, verse 14. What's he saying there? 
Well, you'll be in a good place with God. Everybody, especially Pharisees, wanted to be blessed. They wanted to be, it meant to be in a kind of good place with God and for for things to be in the right kind of place, as it were. You'll be blessed. You'll be ready to meet with God. And it's what a lot of people wanted. Actually, what a lot of people still do want. Deep at heart, they would love to know that they were kind of okay with God, wouldn't they? You know, we, we get a lot of rampant atheism around about the place, but, but the, the, the really uh, strong atheists are making a lot of noise at the moment. There's an interesting thing on YouTube. I've put it on the Portswood Church Facebook group page. That's open, so you can go and listen to it. David Mitchell, the comedian, was talking recently about uh, how he says, you know, um, comedians, articulate comedians or uh, are not all rampant atheists. He says, but of his own situation, he's, he's a, he says, I'm not an atheist, I'm, I'm an agnostic, he says. I'd like to believe uh, in a benign and benevolent God who is supreme. I'd like, I came up with that and I, I don't want to diss that, but I'm just not sure at the moment. Maybe some of us are in that position. Certainly the, the Pharisees were a bit further down that line. They did believe in God, but they essentially wanted to be Right with him, blessed by him, in a good place with him. And then verse 15, one of the guests, perhaps you're one of these people, I can be like this sometimes. You know, when, when the situation's a bit awkward, you know, you try and help out, you know, do something to try and, you know, get it back on track again, you know. And, and you can, if you're a guest, they're thinking, this is a bit awkward, you know, this isn't very good. And, and this guest hears something being said about being blessed by God, and he said, yeah, yeah, that's, that's true, that, that's, that's great. Won't it be great to be at the feast in the kingdom of God? That person will, will be really blessed. He's kind of picking on the bit about blessing and, uh, and making a statement, maybe saying, let's, let's, talk about, let's talk about something a bit less controversial. Let's talk about the feast in the kingdom of God. Won't that be great? What's this feast in the kingdom of God all about? What's he talking about here? Well, the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible, the, uh, the, the scriptures that the Pharisees had and that Jesus had, those scriptures talk about how God's people can enjoy a relationship with him. Uh, and part of that was occasionally significant meals to eat a meal in his presence. So the Passover meal was a very important one. And Jewish people still uh, do that. Sometimes as we, you look in the Old Testament and when people had sacrifices, they brought the animal sacrifices to God and, and some was burnt up and, and some the priests had. But what was left, the family would sometimes sit and eat and, and share a meal together in the presence of God. It was all part of being in relationship with God, being God's people. Some of the, one of the most well-known psalms in the Bible, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. What does it say? You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You, you provide for me as a shepherd. You give me this place I can sit down and securely. It's an image of being in relationship with God. And, and that idea, that truth was, was kind of written big time by some of the prophets, especially Isaiah. And Isaiah in in chapter 25, I won't read it now because of time, but you can look it up if you like, verse 6 to 9. There's a beautiful picture of the future, a future day, 
where Zion, the, the, the Jerusalem, God's city, uh, uh, as, as the Jews you know, were, were celebrating it, as the prophets talked about, a time when, when, when people would come from everywhere to a fantastic feast in the kingdom of God. It was blessing for the world. And that's what the Pharisees were holding on to. That's what really fired them up. That future kind of fulfillment, that great kind of banquet, that sense when God was going to be with them and be with Israel and be with his people and even bless the rest of the world. That's what that man was talking about when he says, the feast in the kingdom of God. Now, the Pharisees believed this with a passion. They knew it was going to happen when God's kingdom was again set up. They wanted the people to be ready for that. So if that's what they believed, if they were ready for it, they were getting ready for it, then for sure they were going to be there, weren't they? That's what they thought. So when Jesus starts his story, it says a certain man was preparing a great bank. Well, maybe they all settle down and think, phew, huh. at least he's going to tell a story. Enough of that awkward comments about, you know, asking the poor or the crippled, the lame and the blind to your banquet. Enough about not getting in the right places. Maybe he's going to stop embarrassing us and give us a good story about the feast and the kingdom of God. And so he starts. And we've got the story here in front of us. We've seen it on the DVD. Maybe we'd like to just settle down and listen to the story too. Maybe we like Jesus' stories. I'm sure we'd like to know God's blessing like David Mitchell would. Uh, He hasn't put it that way. Or certainly he'd like to be open to it perhaps. Well, maybe Jesus has got something to say to us. Imagine you're at the banquet. What's he going to say? Well, the people at the dinner, actually, if they thought it was going to be comfortable, were in for a bit of a shock, as we shall see. Maybe, yeah. So here's the story then. There's a great banquet being prepared. You know, weeks of preparation have gone into this. Food has been ordered. You know, caterers booked. The wine and everything, the venue, everything. It's going to be a huge and a magnificent and a wonderful occasion. I suppose think about a wedding, a wedding reception, then multiply it by many factors. It's a huge, huge event. It's a great banquet. A great banquet. And it's being prepared. And people have been invited and they've, they've said yes on the RSVP or they've checked a little Facebook saying coming to this event. Not maybe, but, but yes. And it says, you know, probably on Facebook there were, you know, how many? 5,000 people coming to this event. And, and then, you know, it, 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 at this time, rather like today, perhaps you've had this, these days people often send you an invitation to their wedding and they say, keep the day free. Uh, we'll be back in touch later. And it, it's like a kind of two invitations. Well, this was the same. It was... It's, you've had the invitation, you've said yes, and the servant goes around and gets, tells people, it's happening, it's now. You know, it's either tomorrow or soon. It's kind of basically the time to come is right away. Invitation number two. And as the servant goes around, everyone makes excuses. Someone says they bought a field and they need to see it. Well, surely, you, would you buy a field without seeing it? You know, I know some of you are buying houses, so. Moving in on Tuesday, you'd look at your house before you, before you bought it, wouldn't you? You would, uh, you would do that. There's a bloke who says, I'm, I've got five yoke of oxen. Well, most people only needed one, two oxen in a yoke. You only usually needed two if you're a regular farmer with your little patch of land. If you've got five, that's like a combine harvester of oxen. 
You know, you, you've, you, you've got people. You know, you're a rich person who's just bought five yoke of oxen. You've got masses of extra land. You don't need to go and test drive. Who, who, who says, you know, you say, can you come? To, uh, you say, no, I've just bought a car and I'm going to test drive it now. You think, sure, you test drive the car before you bought them. You check out, or your people would check out that the combine, har- combine harvester was up to it, or the five yoke of oxen were good. No, it's not that. And then the other person said, well, I just got married. Doesn't even offer an excuse as if that was the end of it. I'm sure his wife could have come. (sighs) What is it really? What's going on? What they're really saying is, I'm sorry, there's something else I'd rather do than come to your banquet. But these people already had invites. They were the naturals for the banquet. But they refused to come. Why? Why? Because other things mattered more. Well, think about those dinner guests at Jesus' dinner table or, or, or around on the couches around the food there. Now, they were looking forward to the feast in the kingdom of God. They were the ones who had all the Old Testament invites. They were the ones that loved Isaiah 25 and all those great promises. They were the ones that surely would be ready But um, what's Jesus saying? They could, despite all of that, they could miss it completely and not get there. And why would they miss it? Well, perhaps it's in this phrase here. See that phrase, come for everything is now ready, verse 17. It's a wonderful phrase when you think about it. It's kind of what we were thinking of when we read those verses from Romans, wasn't it? But he's saying about the banquet, the servant, uh, or the, the, the man rather says, come, it's ready, it's now. Think about it. Here's a servant going around telling people that the banquet has started now. It's about to begin. Jesus went through Israel, Palestine, telling people that the kingdom of God that they were expecting was not sometime in the future. It was now. It had started with him. Maybe that's what's going on here. You see, these people at the dinner, they'd invited Jesus to criticize him. They were watching him. They didn't want him. No, no, no. Surely not. Surely not. The banquet isn't like that. The kingdom of God can't be like that. Not with Jesus. They didn't get Jesus. They didn't want him. He, he, they didn't want to follow him. He didn't fit with their preconceptions. He, he wasn't going to be kind of conveniently kind of on side for them. You see, these people, uh, they were fine about the idea of God doing something, bringing in a kingdom in the future at some vague time, but committing to Jesus now in the present, oh, steady, that's not for me. Not when I've got this property to sort out. Not when I've got this relationship to nurture. Not when I've got to get all this stuff together. Not when I've got this career to stabilize. Not when I've got this family to bring up. I'm sure I'd love God in the future, please. I'd especially like it in a future kingdom when I die. That would be really neat and cool. But now, here, whoa, steady. No. I wonder whether we can be like that with God's great offer. God's great invitation. But let's carry on in the story. The banquet is going to happen. It's not going to be cancelled. It's not going to not go. So the servant is sent out to invite the people in the city 
who would never be invited normally to a banquet, banquet. The poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Remember what Jesus said earlier in the passage? These people matter to him. And the servant invites them and they come and still there's room. So the man sends the servant out further into the countryside to encourage people to come. It says, uh, urge them to come in and compel them to come in. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the point is there's a great banquet. It's all there. It's all provided. And it's not going to go to waste. People are going to come. And if those people, as the parable tells us, who got the invitations don't want to come, well, there will be people there. But they won't be among them. And then Jesus, at verse 24, ended off by dropping this kind of huge kind of bomb that explodes in two explosions in, in the minds of these Pharisees at the mill. What does he say? Well, the first one we can see very clearly. Those who were invited originally, those people who had the opportunity to come and turned it down, those people, like the Pharisees, were going to miss it. That was a big kind of shock to them. And the second shock is in verse 24 when he calls it my banquet. You see, at that point, these aren't the words of the, uh, in the story because uh, uh, the scholars tell us that when the, 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 when the phrase is, these people, uh, I tell you, it's plural. Like in French, in, in, in the Greek, you can use a form of you that means to more than one person. And uh, here in this parable, Jesus, at this point, it says, I tell you, and he's using it plurally. So if it were in the story, it would be the, the man telling his servant, and that would have only been one, see? So at that point, Jesus, I'm telling you, all you people at this banquet, that these people aren't going to come, but it's my banquet. He's saying he's the king. He's saying it's his. He's saying he's the center. Great claim. What do we do with that kind of claim? So let's uh, wrap it up a bit. What is this telling us? Well, these people at the dinner, they were all good believers, weren't they, in inverted commas? They knew the answers. They prayed. They were religious. They'd done the right things. But they did not want the kingdom of God to impact their lives now, there and then. And Jesus brings that right out in this story. They don't want the banquet to take priority over their lives in any way at all. They, they hoped for a future blessing with no impact on the present. And we need to be careful, don't we, that we're not like that. Maybe we've made a commitment to Christ many years ago. Maybe we do the right things. Maybe we come to church often. Maybe we, I don't know, do all kinds of stuff. And we naturally presume, because of all those things, and because of that thing we did, we're, we're naturally going to be invited. But, you know, what Jesus is saying is we need to be saying yes to Jesus, as it were, every day. It's a relationship, an ongoing relationship with him as king and lord that will affect our lives and will come before our property, our staff, our relationships and all those other things that people said, I'd rather be with those things and be at the banquet. There's a challenge to us there. 
So make sure that you're not holding an old invitation, as it were, that you think you've got. But in your heart, you don't really want to be there. Not if it means your life being affected. Because if that's where you are, then you're going to miss it, according to Jesus' parable. You might need to seek God about that. Pray with someone about it. Have an honest kind of conversation with yourself. Reflect on it. But look at what it tells us about God here. Look at his love and his generosity. He wants his house to be full. (laughs) I love that phrase. I want my house to be full, says God. That's why we believe in in church growth. This is what this other series we're doing is at the the moment. It's in God's heart to bless as many people as possible. But if people don't want that, then he honors our walking away from him. He treats us with dignity in that respect. But it tells us a bit more about the the, the man in the story gets angry when they make excuses. And you think, well, what's that about? Well, it's cost him so much. And look what he's provided. He's provided all this banquet. Everything's ready. It's all done. And these people that that had the invitation, people who knew about it, are turning it down. And, And it says he's angry. And in a sense, you could say, well, look, God has done everything for us to know him. We're going to celebrate communion in a minute. There's a, there, there was a cross soaked in blood that is evidence of the fact that God, this banquet that God's prepared for us cost him everything. He gave himself for that. So how can we just say, I'm sorry, I'd rather go and try out my combine harvester or whatever the equivalent is in our world, your life. Jesus' death on the cross. God's love and his generosity are there, but also is the strength of his feeling, his anger when his love is rejected. But generosity and love flow out. Even out of that, the the master, the the man with the banquet is indignant, he's angry, but he doesn't kind of go off in a huff. He says, oh, well, go and get more people. We're going to have this banquet. It's going to happen. People are going to be blessed. Generosity and love flow out. Those who wouldn't see themselves as qualifying get to come. How about that then? Those who thought they'd never ever be invited to a decent banquet get to come. They get their own invitation from someone. I wonder whether some of us feel like that. I never, I never get. Talk about banquets in the kingdom of God. You must be joking. Do you know what I'm like? Do you know where I'm from? Do you know what I've been through? Do you know what's in my heart? Do you know the, the, the things that are in my life? I'm like spiritually disabled. I, I'm lame. I, and, 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 you know, I'm, I'm poor. I've got nothing. And Jesus is saying, it, it really is for you. It really is. And it flows out even further. There are hints in this story. The man doesn't just send his servant to the city, the town he's in. He goes further out into the countryside. Looks for people under the hedges, you know, or people on the road, or, or people all over the place. Uh, and, and there is in this idea, in this, this story, a hint that he's going, uh, that, that the message is going to people who are not familiar, that we have never heard about this master and this banquet, may not even know what a banquet is. It's a hint of the good news going much wider than the Jewish community 
going beyond, out further to the whole world, as uh, we're going to find out later in the Gospels as Jesus commissions his disciples. And here the servant has to urge them, it says, um, doesn't it, uh, verse 23, make them come in. <laughs> That's a, 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 a quite, a, if you're interested, um, the medieval church kind of took this completely wrong and out of context and and that's, they got the idea of inquisition, all that kind of stuff, from this, this verse. Uh, they were completely wrong, uh, because that's not what it's saying. But look at it. Why would you have to really encourage someone, or really assure them? Well, again, because they're, they're so far away. You know, think, well, I've not heard of this. Who is this man? What is this banquet? He can't be for me. I'm miles away. I don't even live in this city. You know, why, why am I invited to the banquet? And, and the servant is having to say, yes, it's okay. Oh, yeah, no, sure, it's all right. Yeah, no, no, you really must come. If you want to, do come. It's that sense. Of, because the people are so far away. It's not that you, you're kind of forcing them, but you're saying, it's all right. It's for you. Yeah, come on in. Come to the banquet. Maybe some of us may think, this can't be for me. This banquet, this knowing Jesus, this coming to, to understand him and to have him as my Lord and my King, this good news, can it be for me? Surely it's only for Europeans. It's only for people from Christian backgrounds. No, the message is this invitation is for everyone. Everyone who wants to come. Come now, says Jesus. The banquet has begun. It's ready. He's alive. The kingdom is here, it's now, and we can know the king in our lives. And who's at the banquet? And what does it tell us about how church is formed? Well, all kinds of people are part of it. People from a long way off. People who are broken, people who are needy, people who don't think they'd ever make it to a banquet, would never have an invitation. People who are poor in spirit, people who mourn, people who are meek, People who hunger and thirst after righteousness, perhaps because they see so little of it in their own situation. People who are merciful, people who are pure in heart. Does that remind you of anything? It's what Jesus says, isn't it, in the Beatitudes. Those people. And that's our privilege as a church community. To welcome everyone. Everyone welcome. It says on the, we even got it on the walls today. Was that, why it was the theme yesterday. And we are a diverse people. It matters to us. As, as leaders, we're, we almost want to make that as one of our core values, adding to the other five. Diversity. People from different races, different places, different abilities, different states of mental and physical health. All of that, we want to be a community where we all belong in that and that was partly what yesterday was about. And why is it we, we know that verse 12 tells us it's what God wants. <laughs> it's what Jesus wants. It's what this banquet story is telling us. I was reflecting it on yesterday. Was it worth it? I was asking myself. And as I, I, I prepped this, I had yesterday's event in my mind. Yeah, of course it was. Because in many ways yesterday demonstrated it. It's more, as Lou said earlier, it's more than Sundays. Our church is more than a committed core of people. It's more than our house groups. Much, much more it can be. And we see it on days like yesterday. 
So many people connected in some way or beginning to connect in some way with this community of God's people, us, you, me, all of us. It was a tremendous uh, kind of symbol of that. With huge potential for so many of us to move closer to Jesus, to, to continue right to the point where we can say, yes, I know him for myself. So it's a great challenge and a joy to be that kind of church. And I'm really sorry if you missed it yesterday. And I don't mean if you weren't there. Because actually you could have been there and missed that. And you could have not been able to make it, as I know some of us couldn't. Because I've had texts and stuff and people asking. You could have not have been there, but absolutely have got what's going on. That's what God wants us to be. Because it's about saying yes to the king and accepting his kingdom is made up of people he forms together as they come in because he wants them. And he wants his house to be full. And by house, I don't mean the building, you know, the, the community of God's people. All that God has to be full of people who come because the king invites us. So let's, two things. Let's not turn down the greatest invitation ever. Please don't do that. If you want to find out more about that, talk with someone, sign up for Christianity Explored, or come and pray about it, or just keep coming on a Sunday or whenever you come, but don't miss this tremendous invitation. And secondly, let's be a church that lives out the generosity and grace of our God, seen in his Son, Jesus Christ, as the Holy Spirit works in us. For his glory. Amen.